The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masichet Sota has been dedicated by our good friends and Talmud, Mr. Haimi and Dina Dana, for the success of their children and especially the Fuashirema Moshe Ben Dina. Today's daf has been dedicated by Mr. Danny Safti in honor of Meyer and Victoria Safti on the birth of a new baby girl, Devasha Devora Bat Mazal. Be'azat Hashem, she should uh, be uh, a source of pride to the entire family in Klai Israel. Be'hek Yireh Elohim Tinnaten Amen. Daf Yud Aleph. Today's daf is being studied in the Nishmat. Starting with Tanu Rabbanan. Well, actually, Avshalom Just uh, to review before we go into today's sugya, which uh, uh, at least in the beginning talks about Avshalom. Avshalom was the son of David Melech. He was the daughter, he was the son of Ma'acha. He was David Melech's wife. David Amelech took a, uh, a lady in war, a Shibuya, like the Torah tells us, and he had a son, Abshalom, from this lady. Abshalom uh, killed his uh, brother, Amnon, when he uh, went with Abshalom's sister, Tamar. As a result, he was exiled. Eventually, uh, he made his way back uh, to David Amelech. Yuav helped him, Yuav bin Siruyah. Initially, Yuav bin Siruyah, who was the general of David, did not want to help Yuav, you know, come back. So Avshalom burnt his fields. So then uh, Yuav helped him. And then uh, when he came back, um, David Amelech uh, uh, wrote him a, a letter that he could take two men, uh, prominent men, with him to Hebron to uh, bring sacrifices. He used that letter to muster up more than two, and he waged a uh, rebellion against his father. David Amelech was ousted from the kingdom temporarily. And he was on the run. He went to Yerushalayim, and then he um, he uh, raped the concubines of his father, Pilakshim, and. Uh, at the end, he died. What happened was, he was riding on a mule, 
and his hair got caught in the trees, and it was suspending, suspended from the tree to the uh, the ground. And the Gemara says Gehinam opened up in front of him or under him, so he wasn't able to even cut himself free, and uh, eventually he got uh, decapitated, and that's the way he died. This was a punishment for David that his son rebelled against him for his uh, sin that he went with Bacheva. This was part of the uh, sin. The Gemaran Berachot says that as difficult as this was, based on what Avshalom did to his father, David Amedech was happy that his punishment at least came via his son, uh, as opposed to, let's say, a Mamzer or an Eved or somebody else that would not have mercy on him. At least Avshalom didn't kill his father, which could have been uh, worse. That's what David Amedech says in the Tehilim. Mizmor le David, beborchom pene avshalom beno. Mizmor le David, he was singing. Yomara says, "Kinam ebaile." It should be a lamentation. He said, "No, he was happy. At least God punished him to his son, who was uh, had more mercy than uh, a stranger like that." So now the Yomara is going to analyze uh, some of the uh, pesukim in the story. Tana Rabanan, avshalom besaharom marad. Avshalom rebelled with his hair. Avshalom was a nazir. Uh, again, when we're talking about these people over here, you have to give them some credit. Avshalom did have a status of a nazir olam. Nazir olam, as we learned, is able to cut his hair once a year when the hair becomes uh, whitely, when it becomes heavy. But it seems that he was a nazir, but he used his hair to become uh, arrogant. You know exact opposite of what the Nizirut is supposed to do to a person. So it says Shana'imar, Avshalom lo aya ish yafeh. There was nobody more handsome than Avshalom, Ubgaldeho et Rosho, and he would cut shave his hair from time to time. Bayam mikits yamim li yamim, right, from year to year. Ashili galahki chaved alav, the gildeho. So it was heavy on him, so that they would shave it. Vishakal et se'ar rosho, and he would weigh his hair. Matayim shekalim be'ebin amelech. Weigh two hundred shekalim uh, in weight of the uh, stone of the king, of the coins of the king, which is obviously was a very heavy uh, hair he, that he had. Right, Tana. Even chanchet tevedim and chesipori shochlimba. It was actually the weight of uh, the stone that the people of Tiberias and Sipuri used to weigh, weigh their, uh, you know, their items. They use a stone, so two hundred of those. So obviously, it was very heavy. Yefichach netlavisar. Therefore, he got hung. On his hair, or by his hair, Shnei Amar veYikrav Shalom Nefnei Avdei David. Avshalom called in front of the slaves, the servants of David. Avshalom rochev on a pered. He was riding on a pered. Pered is a mule. VeYavu a pered ta'at shovacha ela agedola. The pered rode underneath the branches of a tree. VeYuhaz roshu beela, and his hair got caught in the uh, tree. VeYutam and Hashemav ben Aris, and he got suspended between the sky and the ground. And now the mule, you know, rode away. So he was just now suspended totally. So he took out his sword and he wanted to cut himself free. You know, by cutting his hair so he could just uh, fall down. At that moment, Gehinam opened underneath him and therefore he was not able to cut himself free as well. And eventually died. When he heard the news, he was uh, upset, actually. 
<coughs> it says he went up to the uh, gate. Bayifk, the Kho Amar Belechto, and this is what he said, Beni Abshalom, Beni, Beni Abshalom, Beitin Muti Anitahtecha Abshalom. I wish I could have died instead of you. Beni, Beni. Vamelech Laatit Panav, he covered his face, Vayizah Kamel Kul Gadol, Beni Abshalom, Abshalom, Beni, Beni. So the camera says, Hani Timanya Beni Lamadi. What did he say? He said Beni eight times. In his uh, crying, in his uh, you know mourning, so the Gemara says, "What is this eight times that he said it?" So it says, "Shavad askim shavamid regehinam." Every time he said "beni," he was able to elevate um, Shalom from one of the fires of Gehinam. He was the seven furnaces. So David Amir now wanted to bring his son out. So "beni," "beni," every time he said it, he was able to elevate him out of one of the furnaces of Gehinam. Ve'idach and the eighth time, ikad amri dekariv reshelagabegufe. Some say that it caused his head now to come back to his body, so at least his body was complete, because his head was decapitated. Some say no, it actually brought him to Alamaba, the eighth, uh, the eighth time. So comes again and says, "Avshalom lakach." That goes back to a story. Uh, the Gemara says <coughs> that Avshalom made for himself a monument in his lifetime. Uh, personal monument called Yad of Shalom. So it says he went and he took. So it says my lakah. What did he take? Amar shakish lakah mekach la'atzmo. He took a bad deal for himself, which means uh, yeah, it was not a uh, it was it was a bad uh, bad bad uh, transaction. Yeah, when he put up the statue for himself, that was considered a bad transaction. the bad transaction about it I guess his whole life with what he did to get out and all that uh, did not uh... okay so comes again what says it matzevet asher he built it in the valley of the kings that's where he built his matzeva his uh, his, uh, his um, memorial when it says he built it in the Amik, so uh, Amik also means not only valley but it means uh, depth, which means that Kadosh Baruch Hu orchestrated. This was from the depths of design of the plan of Kadosh Baruch Hu. In the depths of the king, all this happened to David because God orchestrated it because of the sin that he committed with Bathsheba. So this was not by uh, chance that his son rebelled against him and all that. So the Pasuk says that this all happened And God designed it in order to punish David Amelech for his role. As she says in the bottom line, And she sees clearly that was a punishment for Bathsheba. And it says, God says, I'm going to bring a bad, something bad from your house. It's going to come from within your uh, troubles. And they came from his uh, son. We see when Yaakov Abinu sent Yosef, a Sadiq, that's right, to go see the uh, brothers, what they were doing. And once he sent them and they were alone, so they made the whole plan. They made, they made, they killed them. They sent them down to Egypt. So it says, They sent 
uh, Yosef uh, down to the valley of Hebron. And we know that Hebron is not in the valley. So this cannot be geographical pasuk over here. The depth of the uh, great Sadiq that's buried in Hebron of Ramabinu, that God promised of Ramabinu that the Jewish people are going to go down to Egypt. So this was, or a foreign land. So this was, uh, Yaakov started the process. The depth of the Sadiq that was buried in Hebron Right? God told Avram Abinu that your nation is going to be strangers in a foreign land. Uh, now it says, why did he make for himself a monument uh, of Shalom? What's the purpose? Ki amar in libin. He didn't have children. So he wanted like a legacy. So this was his legacy that he'll be remembered through this monument that he erected. He didn't have children. He had four children, three boys and one girl. That's the point. He didn't have somebody that would be able to succeed him. He didn't have any any children that were worthy to be the uh, to be the king, and therefore uh, he didn't think that he was going to be remembered by his children. They weren't uh, too worthy of anything. So therefore, he had to make his own uh, his own monument. Uh, it's interesting to note that uh, there's a famous story of Rav Chaim Shmuel Levitz, uh, the Miri Rosh Hashiva, that uh, he would uh, go and pray by this monument. It's in Israel today, Yad Avshalom, and when they asked him, you know, what, 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 what could you pray by such a uh, such a place? It's not a holy, uh, it's not a Makom Kadosh, obviously. So he would pray that, please, Bore Olam, you're our father, in heaven, uh, just like uh, David was the father of Shalom, and no matter what Shalom did, with all his troubles that he created, and all the rebellion and all that, David still prayed for him, because the father has mercy on a child no matter what he does. So therefore, just like David was menachem, kerachem av banim, so therefore rachem alenu, do the same thing, even though we're not uh, so good and we have avirot, but uh, don't uh, don't forsake us. So he held that this was a great uh, place. To me'orir that uh, that point of the, the father's mercy on the child, regardless of the uh, of the behavior. Amar b'itzhak bar avdimi shelo ayelo bim. We said the chazda amar gemiri. We have a tradition. Kol asorev tivu atoshul havero. Anybody that burns his friend's field or the, actually his tivuah, right? The product, the produce of his friend, like Avshalom did, he burnt the fields of Yoav ben Seruiah. Eno maniyah ben liyorsho. Well, he's not going to leave a son that is going to inherit him. You burnt the seed of somebody else, the seeds, meaning like the wheat, the uh, the product. So therefore, you're not going to have any benefit either from your product. The product is not going to have any yirusha. So it says, you're not going to have any children. The Ihu and Shalom, that is, uh, he burnt the fields of Yoav. There was a barley over there in the fields. Right, he told him, go burn in the fire. Let's go back to the Mishnah. The Mishnah told us that not only God deals with us in the Midah, connected Midah for the bad things, but also for the good things. Uh, there's a measure for measure in play. And the Gemara Mishnah's example was Miriam. Miriam waited by the banks of the river to see her brother, what's going to happen. Right? 
So it says, Mejda for Mejda, they waited for her. How did they wait for her? When she got leprosy in the Midbar. So it says the Jewish people did not travel for seven days. So it was a measure for measure. So the Mishnah's language was, Miriam. Is it comparable? Which means, it's a little different. Which means, obviously, the measure for measure over here is much more uh, stronger. Because she only waited, which is a small amount of time. So Sfot says uh, maybe 15 or 20 minutes and for her, her brother. And they waited for, for seven days. So it's not similar. She's not a minute me that connected to be that. It's even more. So why does the Mishnah say, It's not so. The Torah is even greater. The reward is more uh, profound. So change the text. Read it in the Mishnah. And when it comes to the good, it's not so. Meaning it's more. But the Mishnah does say that it is so. So it's hard to change it to say it is not so. The Torah. So the Gibran says, Yes, it's similar in the sense that what? That there's a Midah connected Midah. But in the reward of it, the Bidah Kenegimidah is much greater. So yes, Vechen Yanyana Torah, that there's a Bidah Kenegimidah, she waited, they waited for her. But it's not similar in the sense that the Bidah Kenegimidah of Torah is much greater. The Gemara says in Makot, when God rewards somebody, it's actually 500 times greater than, uh, you know, 500 times than, 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 than what he did, than the Puranut. So the Tosafot says a very good calculation of it. He says, she waited 20 minutes. And uh, they waited for, for seven days. So if you calculate, 20 minutes is actually one five hundredth of seven days. So it's exactly a midah, keneged midah of 500 times. Comes the Gemara and says, Now, the Pasuk completely says that her sister, or, or his sister, Moshe Rabbeinu's sister, that is, stood from far on the banks of the river, So the Gemara is going to say every word in this Pasuk Besides the simple pshat that we just explained, there's actually a reference to the Shekhinah. To teach us what? That the Shekhinah was behind all these events in saving the uh, baby Moshe to eventually become the Redeemer of Israel. So the Gemara says, right? All these words in the Pasuk are referenced to the actual Shekhinah. So every word in the Pasuk and showed another Pasuk which was referring to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and uh, it connected the, the words. So if we see Hashem was behind the whole episode of saving obviously Moshe Moshe Rabbeinu Rashi just says on the Pasuk Emor lechokmah achotiat Shehi etzla Kadosh Baruch Hu The chokmah of the Torah is by God Umibiv From his mouth we, we learn Torah Shneimar Ki Hashem yiten chokmah Mipiv da'at Right? So that's the Pasuk. Right? So God is considered that Pasuk Achoto, the, the, the sister, but uh, it's referring to the fact that the Torah is by God. I was going to give us uh, a lot of that are short 
on uh, the Jewish people and their experience in Misraim. The Rashot that uh, we're familiar with. Hadash. Okay, so it starts. So a new king came upon Egypt, right? Yosef. So the Gemara says, Rav Ushmuel, Mahlokin. Hadamar Hadash Mamash. Someone has said there was actually a new king. It was the same old Paro, it just he had new Gizirot. He wasn't fond of the Jews anymore. The one that says he was actually new, Dikhtim Hadash. It doesn't say that the first king died. The Pasuk should have said, right? Right, the first king, and then would say Vayimloch Tachtav. From the fact that it didn't say Vayamot, must be it was the same king. Asheilo Yadat Yosef. Now, what does it mean? He didn't know Yosef. Is it possible that a king uh, in Egypt, whether it's the same guy, whether it's a new guy, is it possible they didn't know who Yosef was? Yosef was a uh, national hero. So Yehovah says, Dehava Deme Kemandelo Yadaliklam. He made himself as if he did not know Yosef at all. Vayomrel Amo Hine Am Bene Israel. Right, so the first thing he did this policy was he made a meeting and he said that what the Jewish people are multiplying rapidly. So Israel. This was Paro's uh, idea that he has to limit them. So it says Tana who since it was Paro's idea to start the uh, you know affliction against the Jewish people the That's why he got punished first. Who where we see God punished first when the frogs came the Sfardaya attacked Paro first so therefore you started the trouble Paro so therefore the punishment is going to get you first so Paro's idea is let us sit down and make a plan against him it says law so the Gabbara says, It should say to them, meaning he's trying to make a plan against Israel. Which means, let us make a plan against the Savior of Israel. Which really means, he was trying to plan against HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Which means, we have to outsmart God Himself. Why? How are we going to punish the Jewish people? So it said, how are we going to punish them? If you're going to punish the Jewish people with fire, well, God's going to punish us measure for measure. We don't understand there's a measure for measure in the world. So he said, if we're going to punish the Jewish people with fire, God's going to come against us in fire. God judges in fire. If we kill the Jewish people with a sword, let's go kill the Jewish people in water. But all felt he was safe with that because God cannot punish the Jewish. God can't punish the world with the punishment regarding water. Why? Right? God already promised not going to bring a flood to the world. So he figured he's safe. We can go drown all the Jewish children, and nothing can happen to us. Right? God promised Noah no more mabud. The only thing that Paro didn't know was that uh, God promised not to bring a uh, flood on the whole entire world but local flooding uh, he'll bring so therefore they didn't know that 
That's right. He didn't bring the flood on the Egyptians. They they walked into it. Means, uh, the, they walked into the flood. They walked into the waters. So therefore, it's much different. Right? The Egyptians were running towards it. So therefore, uh, they, they 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 tried to outsmart the Kadosh Baruch Hu, but it did not work. The Ainu Damar Bidazar Maidichtiv. Pasuk says regarding the Egyptians, Kibedavar Asher Zadu Alehim. Says that God punished them on the item that they uh, Zadu literally means that they plotted. God punished them according to what they plotted. But the word Zadu also means that they cooked. God punished them based on what they cooked. So the Gemara says a statement on this. In the pot that they cooked, in that same pot they were cooked. The pot over here being uh, Yamsuf. Right? They cooked the Jewish people, so to speak. They punished them, they threw the kids in the water. Right? So in the pot that they cooked, they ended up getting cooked. Which means uh, they got drowned themselves. Now, how do you know the word Zadu is like a sort of a pot? Remember Yaakov was making a lentil soup. So he's making a lentil soup uh, in the pot. This is Vayazid. Yaakov Nazid. So Zadu, Zadu is also Lashon of a pot. Amar of Hayabar Abba, Amar of Simai. Shilosha, you beota etza. There were actually three advisors to Paro during that uh, that plan. Bilaam, Viyov, Viyitro. Bilaam, Shia'at, Neherag. Bilaam, that advised Paro to kill the Jewish people, he got killed. Midak, Negel, Midak. Iyov, Shishatak, Iyov, that kept quiet, Nidon, Bisurin. He got affliction. Yitro Shibalak Yitro, he ran away, which means he um, he uh, ran away instead of receiving kavod of becoming an advisor to uh, Paro, which is a big thing. He was willing to give up all the honor, and he fled to Midian, uh, and obviously he protested against uh, killing the Jewish people. Zachu Mebene Banav Gazit. His grandchildren ended up becoming members of the Sanhedrin. He ran away from the kavod. So the Kavod ended up coming back to Yitro and his uh, grandchildren. Shere Imar, how do we know that uh, Yitro's grandchildren were in the Senedin? Now Yitro had seven names. One of his names was Kini. So whenever time you see a reference in the Navi, the Kenim or Kini, you know it's referring to the family of Yitro. And what does it say in the Pasuk? Umishpachat Sofrim And the families of the Sofrim, that's the Rashi, uh, uh, the Sofrim is the, is the Tamidah Chamim. It says, Yoshve Ya'abetz. Ya'abetz was a man. Adam Gadol Torah. They called him Ya'abetz. Okay? Uh, and um, it says he had students. Tara'itim. These were students. Tara'itim. Who are these Tara'itim? So some say these were uh, students that heard the Teru'ah on Har Sinai. Tara'itim they called them. Or as she says, Tara'itim, that they sat at the gates of Yerushalayim. The word Tara'ah is a gate. Shema'atim. Uh, these were students that were obedient. They listened to their father. Uh, the, one of the students over here uh, was the children of Yonadav ben Rechiv. These were the family of the Kohanim. And the Gemara says that uh, they were very obedient to their father. Their father told them, uh, you know, certain things, certain things don't do, whatever it is, and they were obedient. So they called those uh, children Shema'atim, the listeners. Sukatim. Sukatim are those students that lived in the Sukkot. Okay? Hema uh, Hakinim. Here's the key. These were the people of the Kinim. Kinim is the Kini, the Kini family. Who's the Kini family? Yitro's family. Habaim Mahmat Avi Bet Rechev Uchtiv 
And what happened to these uh, students? They ended up becoming the leaders of the Jewish people of the Sanhedrin. So just got a pursuit to show us this point. Question of the over here. So we understand the punishment of uh, Bilam, that he got uh, killed. The one that wanted to kill the Jewish people got killed on his own sword. And we can even understand the Enyar of uh, Yitro. He gave up all the Kavod, and the Kavod uh, came back then. But the question is Iyov. Uh, some will argue that... Yov just kept quiet. He didn't. He didn't say anything. So why should he suffer such a uh, such a punishment uh, of uh, Yisurin? Where's the midah connected midah? So the Mefarshim explained that Yov's logic was, what am I going to gain by screaming? Uh, Paro is predetermined to kill the Jewish people. And obviously, that's why you throw. That's why you throw ran away. He knew that he can't change Paro's mind. This was just a kangaroo court over here. He wanted to kill the Jewish people. So Yov's logic was. But what am I going to gain by uh, protesting? What am I going to gain by screaming? So God said, what are you going to gain? God brought Yisurin on the Eov. He was in pain. So he was screaming. Oh, it hurts, it hurts. And I told him, what are you gaining by screaming? The pain's not going away. And like, what do you see? That sometimes you scream, even though there's no, uh, there's no benefit. You have to protest. So that was a midah keneged midah. Rav Shmuel Levitz over here has a famous piece where he comes along and says, that, what do you mean? Uh, it seems that Eov's punishment is even worse than Bilam, uh, Bilam died. One second, he was dead. But Eov suffered uh, for a full uh, year. That's uh, some will argue that you know this pain and suffering that he went through was even more uh, difficult. Uh, you have to remember, he lost all his children, he lost all his money, his pain was his body was racked uh, with all different disease. So uh, who was worse? They could argue that maybe you know, Bilam's one second death wasn't as uh, painful. So Chaim answers that you see from over here that it's not so. Why? Because with all the pain of Eov, he was still alive. And there's nothing uh, uh, greater than life. And therefore, what, because he can still do mitzvot, and he can still uh, connect HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he can still buy eternity. So therefore, like uh, David Amelik says, uh, or uh, like the Pasuk says, uh, Correct? Which means, uh, you gave me a tremendous amount of Yisurin, David Amalek says. But I thank you, you didn't kill me. So David Amalek was felt grateful even to be alive through his Yisurin. So really, Bil'am's punishment is worse. Because Bil'am got death. Death is, you can't, you can't, you can't come back from that. But the Yisurin, Yisurin is, uh, uh, at least he had life. So it wasn't as uh, punishable. Comes the Gemara and says, Now, part of the plan was, or why they were nervous was, that the Jewish people are going to populate very quickly. There's going to be a coup that they're going to wage against Paro. Now, literally, it means they will fight us and they will leave the land. Now, really, it should say, they're going to kick us out of the land. So the Gemara says, It's like a, cur- a person that's cursing his friend, uh, or cursing himself, but he doesn't want to curse himself, so he puts his curse on his friend. I mean, w- w- what's going to happen to him, he doesn't want to say. Like, uh, Satan. So he says it, he says, they're going to be so pop- populated, and they're going to fight us, and they're going to leave the land. But they really meant that we're going to leave the land, but they didn't want to say it on themselves. On a, on a different level, we could say that no, that, that was an option that they were concerned about. That they're going to fight about, uh, fight us, and they're going to leave. 
Which means there was a concern that they're just going to escape. So Ve'alam and Aris can mean actually referring to the uh, Jewish people as the Pasuk says. This is the Derasha of the Chachamim. Ve'yesimu adav sarim misim. So it says they placed on them, or actually on him to be precise. Ve'yesimu adav sarim misim. Sarim misim is like the, uh, the uh, tax collectors, right, the taskmasters. So the Gemara says, Alehem mev'ileh. Right. What do you mean by Yasimu Alav? They placed on him. You should say on them. Uh, they put the task taskmasters. Tana the better be El Hazar, better be Shimon, Melamed Shivio, Malben, Vetalululu Faro, Besavaro. By Yasimu Alav. Paro on the first day was actually part of the work. They went, they put a, uh, you know, the Malben uh, over Paro's neck. That's like where they make the bricks and things like that. And the heel himself went to work. So the reason why they did that was so nobody can come along and say, well, I'm Mr. Nish, you know, I can't work, and things like that. So, well, you worship Paro? So, which means Paro himself coaxed uh, the Jewish people into working by going into the pits himself. Like it says, Every Jewish people that came along and said, I'm Mr. Nish, I'm too, uh, you know, delicate to do the work. Why well, you worse than Paro? Paro himself was working. Get to work. So the pasuk says, right? Now she says the malbin is like the uh, the plate, the defus, the um, the mold. Exactly, they make the uh, bricks uh, from. In any event, the Gemara says serim misim. Why are they called serim misim? Says davar she meshim, meshim over here that uh, it fatigues and weakens. The person, which means it causes the person to become, uh, you know, uh, weakened and uh, tired. The man anoto besiblotam, right? In order to uh, pain or torture him in their in their work. So it should say the anotam It should say in order to torture them, right? Yeah, God's ultimate plan was to punish Paro. He wanted Paro to suffer. So therefore, he brought Paro to punish the Jewish people, so he could take it out on Paro. So they were the the goal was the man to to torture Paro. How is he going to torture Paro? Through what he did to Israel, like he wanted to uh, get the double thing of it, punish the Jews, but use Paro as the stick, so he can take his revenge out on Paro. They built storage cities. For Paro. Now this word miskenot is a machloket. Rav Ushmuel. Hadamar shemesakenot et ba'alehim. They put their um, owners in danger. Because as a result of Paro making the Jewish people build these cities, which is the work, what ended up happening to them? They got drowned in the Yamsuf. So therefore, alim miskenot, meaning melashon sakana. Cities that put their owners in danger. Uh, buildings that make their owners poor. Why? So the Gemara learns a lesson over here. Anybody that involves himself in building uh, becomes mitmaskin, uh, uh, becomes uh, poor. Why? Because of the um, of the bills, like we saw in Masechet Yibamot. That a person uh, that involves in building, it's never, it's never what the, he thinks it's going to be the price. It's always uh, much more. It's always more expensive. So therefore, adim eskinot. Paro got involved in the construction, and uh, it's adim eskinot. It cost uh, cost a lot of money.
Epitom v'tamses, the names of the uh, cities were Epitom and Namses. Rav u'shmoel, had amar Epitom shema. Some say the actual name was Epitom. Ve'lama nekra shema Ramses, she'rishon lishon mitroses. As they built them, the buildings came down. Ramses lishon mitroses. Yeah, they collapsed. Right? They weren't... Um, and what? They had to build it again. They just kept on building. Over and over again. That was part of the psychological torture that Paroah did to the Jewish people. They had them build buildings that would fall and just have them uh, build it again. No satisfaction of any sense of completion. The Had Amar, Ramses Shema. Some say, no, the real name of the city was Ramses. Shema Pitom, Sherishon, Ishon, Pitehom It was built like on a sinkhole. Pitehom. Right, so it was like quicksand. Mm-hmm. So every time they would build it, it would sink and then have to build it again. The more they would torture the Jewish people, the more they will multiply and the more they will flourish. So the Yabarah says, You should say it in the past tense. The more they multiplied and the more they flourished. So the Yabarah says, You should say that. That was actually Ruach HaKodesh saying it. Paro's coming along and saying, And HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes along and says, No, Paro says, And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, No, So that was HaKadosh Baruch Hu saying that, line, Yisrael, says, and the, Jew, the Egyptians, they despised the Jewish people after a certain state. So that's, the Gemara says, which means that when they saw the Jewish people populating all over, we became like thorns in their side. The Midrash says the Jewish people started to come out and go to the theaters and all the places where the Egyptians used to be. And they said, look at all these Jews, we can't even get a seat in our theaters anymore. So it became like a thorn in the side of the Egyptians. Right, the work was called Farikh. So what does Farikh mean? So the Gemara says, Azar Amar Rach. Uh, which means with a uh, a soft uh, tongue, which means initially they got paid, like the Midrash says. But all came along and said, however many bricks you make, we're going to pay you five dollars a brick, for example. So they went, they made so many bricks. Now the next day they came along and said, okay, they marked down each guy. This guy's capable of five hundred bricks, thousand bricks. Now they knew their uh, capabilities. The next day they said, okay, make the same five hundred, but we're not paying you anything. So they lured them in b'farich, b'farach, with a soft, uh, soft attraction. So it says, Rabbi Shemuel ben Hamani Amar b'fricha. He learns now, b'farich means he broke them. Farich b'fricha, which means it was uh, backbreaking. Mishbaron uh, aguf, as she says, right? He broke their bodies. So they embittered our lives with uh, work, hard work, bricks and all that, mortar. It started off with brickwork. However, then it turned into anything, all menial jobs and jobs that uh, obviously were even more uh, difficult. Part of the, uh, the torture was he would give the jobs of ladies to the men, which the men are not, uh, you know, they're not equipped to do the job of the ladies, whatever that is, uh, cooking and uh, weaving and all the different things like that. And they gave the job of the men to the ladies, which also that's heavy work and labor like that. So both were uh, were switched. 
Now it says again in this Pasukas language was Ashir Avidu Ba'im Befarich. So it says the word Parich twice. So the Gabbara says even the opinion that said Parich in the first Pasuk was in a soft way is Modeh Ovehach Avadai Bifricha. Here in the Pasuk is definitely referring to backbreaking labor. I mean, the first Pasuk is in Mahlukit. But the second Pasuk clearly was talking about Parich, which means backbreaking work. Darash Rav Avira. Bishad Nashim Satkaniyot Shayu Beoto Ador. In the zikhut of the righteous woman that were in Egypt and that generation, the Jewish people merited the redemption. Why? So, just as an introduction to the next piece of Gemara, the men were very uh, uh, disenchanted. They saw there was a galut already for many years, and that they didn't want to have any more children. And it was the ladies that had tremendous imuna that they knew that just like God promised them that they could go down to Egypt, God said they're going to come out of Egypt as well. And therefore they enticed their husbands to have children. And as a result, even though they were living at a time where Parah was killing all the children, they put their faith in God, and God took care of the children as we're going to see in the Gemara. And it was those kids that were born from the Imunah of these ladies that actually uh, came out of Egypt. Which means uh, one of the important ingredients of a redemption, you needed a Kiryat Yamsuf, but uh, you also needed Jews. And if it wasn't for the ladies, there would be no uh, people to redeem. So therefore the Gemara gives the credit to the emunah that the woman had. And the Gemara tells the story exactly how they had faith in bringing these children into the world. When the ladies went to draw water in the wells to give it to their husbands, So God brought fish into the, into the pails. Half water, half fish. They went, they put two pots on the fire. Right, one of hot water and one of fish. They would take the two pots of water, one pot of fish, outside to the field where the husbands were. They would you know, bathe their husbands. Right, and anoint them. They would give them something good to eat, the fish. They would give them something good to eat, and then they were together with them. by the border, you know, over there in the, in the hidden place over there. Which means they slept with their uh, husbands, like in the, in, the, in the fields over there. Now it says, And that's zechut, that the Jewish ladies, again, that emunah, that they wanted to get pregnant and have children. The Jewish people merited the rewards of all the uh, money that they made when they came out. The next pasuk says, The Jewish people are compared to a Yonah, like a dove. And it says they were covered with Kesef. Right, Evrotea and its um, limbs were covered also with uh, gold. Now, what happened when the Jewish uh, women were about to give birth? Uh, which they got pregnant, they would go home, finished. Now they're pregnant for now for however many months. Now when the time to give birth came, they knew they couldn't give birth back in Egypt because Parah would find out about it and he would uh, kill the children. So what did they do? They went to the fields and they gave birth under the apple tree. Which means they gave birth under the trees over there. God would send from, He would dispatch from the heavens, Somebody that cleans the baby, the baby's born. The baby has to be clean, and also the bones have to be, you know, straightened and set into place. 
Kehayazu Shemeshepret Avada, just like a midwife that uh, makes the, the child uh, nice. Shneemar Umolatecha Beyom Oledetotcha Lo Karata Sharecha. On the day you were born, there was nobody there to cut your umbilical cord. Ubemayim Lo Rahasta Lemishayim, and nobody was there to wash you. Elawat, God sent angels to cut the umbilical cord and to wash the children. And then the angels would provide these Jewish children two stones. One of oil and one of honey. And the, the, the honey to eat, the oil to anoint themselves. The Egyptians saw what's going on over there. They see a whole uh, nation of, of kids. So they came over there by the apple trees to kill them. They got swallowed into the ground. The ground opened up and swallowed the children. So they brought their uh, oxen. So they wanted to plow the ground in order to kill the children that were underneath. On my back they plowed. After the Egyptians left, the Jewish children grew out of the ground like grass. The myriads, right? They were like the grass of the fields. They came back to their homes in flocks. The Benish says that was part of the miracle that they all looked exactly like their parents, so they knew exactly where to go back. And all of a sudden, in one shot, twenty, thirty kids come and they uh, say, "Where are your children?" <coughs> They came adorned. They came in herds back to their parents. When they came out of Mitzrayim, they were the ones that recognized the Shekhinah because they were raised by the Shekhinah. So they were the ones that said, This is the, this is the God. This is the one because the parents kept on asking them, Who raised you? Uh, we don't know. We can't explain it. So when they saw the Shekhinah, said, oh, this, is the, this is the one. The back, back on one last Rasha, how Paro uh, told the Jewish midwives, he wanted the Jewish midwives to kill the children at birth. Who are these Jewish midwives? Some say it was a lady and her daughter. A lady and her daughter-in-law. Some say it was Yochevet Miriam, mother-daughter. That was Aharon's wife. So it was Yochevet and his, her daughter-in-law, Elisheva. Tanya, Kemanda, Mar, Isha, We have a brighter that says it was the mother-daughter, Yochevet and Miriam. Tanya, Shifra, Zu Yochevet. Really, Shifra, that the, 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 the Torah calls these two midwives, Shifra and Pu'ah. Shifra actually was Yochevet. Shifra. Why do they call her Shifra? Because she makes the Valad. Nice by putting the bones in place and making the head a nice shape. Which is in her time, the Jewish people multiplied, right? To her credit, because she didn't kill the Jews. She uh, she uh, she gave birth. She let them give birth. Not very regular. She would coo the children. Right? She would make her sounds. Poo, 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 ah, ah. She would broadcast with uh, divine inspiration. That my mother's one day going to give birth to the Moshiach. So she broadcast. 
because she had a prophecy. So Paro said, When you are going to give birth to the, uh, when you're going to help the Jewish ladies give birth, you will look at the ovnayim. So this says, my ovnayim. What is this ovnayim? Amal of Hanan, Siman Gadol Masalem. You see, Paro gave them a siman. He wanted them to kill the babies when the babies were still in the womb for two reasons. Number one, so the woman will not realize what they're doing. They stick their hands in and kill the child. And number two, because you know, you have the Miriam with Sad Kaniyot. And one of the seven minutes open in Noah is Lotertzach. So therefore, but if it's still in the womb, before Matan Torah, it's like I said, Lotertzach. So therefore, he was giving them a siman how to know exactly at the time when they're about to give birth. So they can go there and right away you do what they have to do. So he told them, Siman, what is the Siman among them? Bishahashi Korat Nilid. You gotta know, when a lady is about to give birth, her thighs become cold like stones. It says, You'll see the stones, meaning you'll see the, when you see the thigh become cold, you know the baby's coming out at that point. So stick your hand in there and kill the child. And some say, Some say, no, if you all look at a uh, craftsman, how does a craftsman sit? Kerstman sits with his legs uh, you know, apart from himself and he has a stone in between him and that's where he does the work. Just like the Yosir is here, one thigh is on one side, right? he has his one, one, one leg over here, one leg over here, he has the Sadan in between. The Sadan is here. So that's what it means, it's like the, like the Yosir, like the uh, Kerstman. That sits uh, in that position. That's why they call the lady the Obnayim. In Benu v'mitenotos, if it's a boy, kill him. That was Paro's decree. Amar of Harina Siman Gadol Masalim. He gave him a Siman. How are they going to know it's a boy? Again, because uh, we want it to be done. Paro wants it to be done inside the womb. So, so the so the ladies will not recognize what they were doing. So, how, but only the boys is supposed to happen. So, how do you know if it's a boy? You have to wait until it comes out. So the Gemara said, "The Gemara Siman Ben Panav Lemata Baat Paneh Lemala." In the olden days, a baby boy uh, would come out face down, and a girl would come out face up. So right away, when you see the head down, you know it's a boy. So come inside. And the Mefarshim explained, and she says, "Why? Because that's the position of the Tashmish." Who Lemala Vehi Lemata? So the position of the Tashmish, his head was down, and then her head was up. So that's the way the boy comes out. And that's the way the girl comes out. Amen. Amen.